I invite you to remain standing as today we read from the second chapter of 1 Timothy, Paul's epistle. Let us hear these holy words. I urge then, first of all, that petitions, prayers, intercession, and thanksgiving be made for all people, for kings and for all those in authority, that we may live peaceful and quiet lives in all godliness and holiness. This is good and pleases God our Savior, who wants all people to be saved and to come to a knowledge of the truth. For there is one God and one mediator between God and humankind, the man Jesus Christ, who gave himself as a ransom for all people. This has now been impressed to you at the proper time. And for this purpose, I was appointed a herald and an apostle. I am telling the truth, I am not lying, and a true and faithful teacher of the Gentiles. This is the word of God for the people of God. Please be seated. Again, we say a word of greeting this morning to all of you. We say a word, a special greeting to those who are watching in Ryson, Arkansas, Pine Bluff, Hot Springs, and so many other places throughout the state. We are thankful that you would choose to be a part of our service of worship. We want to remind you, if you'll look on the back of your order of service, you will notice that there is a box that lists Wakefield Elementary School and our annual assistance with Wakefield students in providing a very special Christmas. It says that we need 48 more sponsors. That actually has dwindled down to 32. But we still need 32 families or individuals to sponsor children for Christmas. This is about as great a gift as you can give anyone else during this season of year. So I hope that you'll look at the information provided. There is an email address in which you can do what needs to be done to make a very special Christmas a reality for those very, very special children. We hope you'll take advantage of that opportunity to give in a very powerful way. Again, we're grateful that you're here. Let us pray. O Lord, in the silence of this moment, prepare our hearts and our minds to hear your word for us this day, and work your will in our lives. Amen. The famous 19th century evangelist, Dwight L. Moody, volunteered with the Union Army during the Civil War to minister particularly to wounded soldiers. After one very bloody battle, D.L. Moody and other Christians gathered together to find the wounded and to offer assistance and aid to those in need. They finally found a spring of water that would enable those wounded soldiers to get a drink of cold water, but they had absolutely no food at all. They had run out. These wounded soldiers needed something to eat. D.L. Moody had no idea what to do, so he thought, at least we can pray. So Moody, along with the other Christians, dropped to his knees, and they began to pray that God, in some powerful way, would provide food for these soldiers who were out in the middle of nowhere. Was there some way, God, that you could provide for these men in desperate need? They made it through the night, still no food. But then suddenly, as light began to shine on the new day, they saw off in the distance 
a caravan of wagons. This caravan of wagons was filled with food. The man leading the caravan pulled up, began a conversation with D.L. Moody and said, some reason, I don't know why, God spoke to me. I couldn't sleep last night and I was convinced that God told me that there were hungry people out there somewhere who needed food. So I went door to door and I woke up my neighbors and I said, it's time to start baking bread and collecting food for whoever may need it and God will tell us where to go. And lo and behold, we are here. For D.L. Moody, he always said that was a powerful answered prayer. There is a great mystery in prayer because the truth is none of us really understand how prayer works. We know we're supposed to do it, and we do sometimes, and other times maybe we neglect the spiritual discipline of prayer. I know in my own prayer life, there are times when I'm incredibly focused on praying to God. My mind is where it needs to be. My thoughts are appropriate and necessary. And there are other times when I try to pray and my mind is all over the place. I can't get focused. I can't seem to put my thoughts together. I'm not sure even what I'm supposed to be praying for. And then I remind myself once again that scripture tells us in the book of Romans that the Spirit will intercede on our behalf. It is the effort that matters to God, not always the eloquent words that we offer up. In fact, prayer is not only about speaking with God, being in conversation with our Lord, but it is even sometimes, more importantly, listening to what it is God says after we have prayed. Think about it for a moment. Jesus, so many times in his own ministry, went off by himself, completely alone, and prayed. There are other occasions in Scripture where Jesus prays with people, teaching his own disciples how to pray when they ask him, Lord, teach us to pray. The 17th chapter of the Gospel of John, the entire chapter, is Jesus' prayer. So here we have the Apostle Paul writing to Timothy. And he is giving instructions on what proper worship is to look like. So that when one attends a worship experience, she or he will leave having things in order, being more spiritual, more focused, more sensitive to how it is God chooses to come to us. And the primary way in which we do that, says Paul, is through prayer. That's why we pray and worship. Have you ever noticed how redundant worship is? The repetition? I mean, week after week, we sing hymns. Week after week, you listen to a powerful, overwhelmingly incredible sermon every week. I mean, we do the things over and over again. And what is the primary thing that we do several times throughout the service of worship is we pray. We pray the Lord's Prayer collectively. We offer up our prayer concerns. We listen to a pastoral prayer. There is a powerful experience that we can have together when we pray individually and corporately 
in a worship experience. That's why we do it time and time again. We don't always understand it. We're not sure exactly what to say sometimes. Sometimes our mind wanders. But we know that Jesus did it, and we know that he placed the expectation on his followers to be a people of prayer. Now, over the years, I have had people come to me and say, what's the proper way to pray? How should I pray? And it is certainly fine if anybody has a routine that they follow with regard to their prayer life. A disciplined routine is certainly in order. But as Roberta Bondi said, if you're praying, then you're doing it the right way. I would agree with that completely. Our responsibility is to be a people of prayer. If you will notice with Jesus in the Gospels, Jesus does not spend much time teaching us how to pray. In other words, the rhythm or the order to it. But what he says over and over again is that we are to be a people of prayer. We are to pray continually. Prayer is conversation with God. Prayer is listening to God. Prayer is seeking out God in our daily lives. That's why scripture tells us that we are to pray without ceasing. That doesn't mean we walk around town and in our cars like this all the time. It means that we become a person of prayer, somebody whose habit is listening and speaking with God regularly throughout every single day of life. Now, C.S. Lewis said, one of the things that's important for us when we think about prayer is that we are to offer up what is inside of us to God, not what ought to be inside of us. Sometimes when we pray, it can be ugly. It can be filled with anger and bitterness, and God is big enough to take it. If you will notice in scripture, as we are all aware, Jesus said one of the primary ways in which we can be a part of the kingdom of God is to become like a child. Think about becoming like a child when you pray. Notice what children are like. They are unpretentious. Children will come to us and ask for whatever it is they want. They don't think about what the consequences are. They don't think about what other people think. They just simply offer up what it is they want in the moment. And I think that's how we're supposed to approach God. Being honest with God is not something that's going to shock our Lord. We're not trying to pull a fast one on God. God already knows what is within us. Our responsibility is to be honest enough to offer that up to God anyway. God, I'm angry. This is not fair. It's not right. God, I'm confused. I don't understand what's going on in my life. God, I'm hurting right now. God, I can't find you. God, I'm thankful. God, your uh, ever-present reality in my life, whatever it may be, our responsibility is to be genuine and sincere before our Lord and then to listen. There may be an immediate response. There may be a response that we hear at some other point in time, deep within ourselves. Who knows what that's going to be? I have offered up prayers, and I'm still waiting for a response. But we all fit into that category one way or another. I think through this pandemic, there has been more prayer offered up to God than any other time in the history of humanity. 
because the entire world has been affected by this. And people pray continually, God, when is this going to end? God, please put a stop to all this. God, help us to move on. God, may people stop dying and may people stop getting sick. And we keep praying and we keep praying because that's what we're supposed to do. We don't understand the mystery of all that. We don't understand why some of those prayers have not already been answered in full. But what we do know is that it is our responsibility never to stop praying. Over my years in ministry, I've also had, when it comes to the topic of prayer, people come to me and say, one thing about it, you don't ever have to worry. I'm not going to offer up a selfish prayer. And I will say, what is a selfish prayer? Well, when I pray for myself, and my immediate response is, I pray for myself every day, all the time. I need to offer that up to God. God, forgive me. God, help me. God, make me more sensitive. May I be more humble. May I seek you. Give me an answer, please. I pray every single day of my life for myself. And if you look in scripture, it's interesting. As Philip Yancey said, there are countless prayers in scripture that are quote unquote selfish in the eyes of some people because they are personal prayers. Listen, there is no such thing as a selfish prayer. I don't believe unless you pray for someone else to be harmed, then that prayer is not going to be answered. That is not a genuine, sincere prayer. That is a vindictive response to something that's happened in life. Think about it for a moment. As Yancey says, in scripture, there is a woman who is unable to have a child and she prays, God, help me get pregnant. There is a soldier in scripture who prays that he may lead his men into battle effectively. There are psalmists who pray and write and sing, God, we are in a drought. Please bring me rain. The Apostle Paul prays for safe travels. The Apostle Paul tells us that he prayed continually to God that this thorn in his flesh might be removed from him. The greatest apostle of all time prayed for himself. We pray for ourselves every time we gather together on a Sunday morning. Lord, give us this day our daily bread. God, make sure I have the sustenance I need. That is a prayer for oneself. Jesus prayed in the garden. Lord, God, let this cup pass from me, but not my will, your will. Scripture is filled with examples of people who pray for themselves Jesus prayed for himself. There is nothing wrong with that. In fact, to me, it is one of the criteria for having an effective prayer life. Praying regularly, praying consistently, praying continually, living a life of prayer puts our spiritual life as a whole in its proper perspective. We don't always get why it is we pray, but we know we're supposed to. I can be incredibly impatient with prayer. I know you can be as well. But my responsibility and your responsibility is to continually do it over and over again. 
so that it literally becomes a part of who we are and we find ourselves praying when we are going about daily life, seeking out God in small decisions and little decisions and big decisions and enormous decisions. Diedrich Bonhoeffer said, a day without prayer is meaningless and unimportant. I don't understand prayer. I can't tell you that enough. I don't get it. Why is it that someone can go to some crowded parking lot somewhere, offer up a prayer to God for a parking spot, and lo and behold, there it is. And someone else can be praying, God, please heal me. I'm close to death. I'm sick. Or we can pray for the loved ones that are important to us, and lo and behold, they die. That doesn't make sense to me sometimes. I don't get it. We're not always going to have an answer, but what we do know is that it is our responsibility to keep doing it. Jesus taught us to do it, and he himself did it, and he expects us to follow through as well. There was a young student who came to Albert Einstein. This young student said, is there anything left that would be original for a doctoral dissertation? Is there any topic out there that you believe someone needs to research that would be unique and different? And Albert Einstein said, find out about prayer. You must find out about prayer. Do you pray? Do you pray without ceasing? Has prayer become a part of the makeup of who you are? It is never too late to pick up the discipline and to do it. I have had countless prayers answered, and I have offered up countless prayers that have yet to be answered, or maybe they have been answered, and I just don't even know it. But I do know this. One of the most offensive things we can do to another human being, in my opinion, is make prayer flippant. I can't tell you how many times over the years, and this is judgmental on my part, but the problem is I've done it too. Have I heard people say, well, listen, I'll pray for you. I'm gonna pray for your family. I'm gonna pray for you. You're in my prayers. And never once is there a prayer offered up. Prayer is serious business. It is serious stuff. It has a power that we don't always understand and we do it anyway. It is terribly unfair. It is grossly wrong to say to any human being, I will pray for you and then not do it. So don't say it if you're not gonna do it. But do it. Because who knows what might happen because of your prayer. I was talking to somebody one time and she said to me, you know what? It may take a thousand prayers for healing to take place. What if 999 have been offered up and my prayer is the one that will be answered? And what happens if I don't offer up that prayer? It's a pretty good way to look at things sometimes. In the 1980s, there was a Hungarian pastor who started a church in Romania during the height of communist rule. 
the official religion of Romania, if you will, at the time was atheism. His church met in secret. This Hungarian pastor had a charismatic personality and a deep faith. And before too long, he had 5,000 people on a regular basis worshiping with him. But he was harassed and he was brutalized and he eventually was imprisoned. His congregation and other Christians got together and started marching toward the police station. The crowd grew to 200,000 people. The Romanian forces started opening up their weapons on the crowd, killing more than 100 people. All of a sudden, this crowd that had been very calm started to get out of control. They were angry, dead bodies lying around. When another pastor went to a microphone and spoke to the 200,000 people, and he simply said three words, let us pray. 200,000 people in unison dropped to their knees and began to recite together the Lord's Prayer. Shortly after that, there was freedom in Romania, that oppressive government overthrown. You see, it was an extraordinary act of disobedience, civil disobedience, to pray publicly. It was forbidden. But the power of that collective prayer would eventually and soon afterwards overthrow an entire communist government. When you're angry, pray. When you're bored, pray. When you're confused, pray. When you don't want to, pray. When you're grateful, pray. When you have so much that is overwhelming, that causes you sorrow, pray. When you have so much that causes you to shout out to God, thank you, thank you, thank you, pray. We are a people who pray continually. It's who we are. It's what we've been taught. It's what Jesus said we must do. So we, as the body of Christ, pray continually. Hallelujah. Amen.